Hey guys, welcome back to a Slice of Empathy podcast. Whoa, it's been a minute. I, um, I'm actually late in recording this episode, and to be honest, I felt kind of guilty about it, and I don't know. I mean, I try to hold myself to a schedule. I don't want to disappoint you guys, but things have just been crazy, and I, I feel like, you know, I've overcommitted myself lately, and I am just trying to, you know, decipher what it is that I want for this new year. I know we kind of dived into that in our last episode, where we kind of talked about my intentions for the new year, and here we are, almost a day away from March. It's crazy. I can't believe that we're this close to being in March. It's literally like 24 hours away, uh, but it just felt like, I just felt like the holidays were here, and two more months just flew by. So it's just been insane. But, and yeah, like I, I will catch you guys up, but um, this just this past month, uh, I think I mentioned on my last episode that uh, I had visited my sister-in-law and my brother-in-law over in North Carolina, really had a great, amazing time. And I am so, so thankful. I, I just left with a feeling of thankfulness and gratitude just for having just so many amazing people in my life who have uplifted me. And not too long after that, I um, came back, I think it was a few days later, I drove down to San Rafael to spend uh, my friend's birthday with her. And we did some jewelry making, which was really quite fun. And I enjoyed it a lot. And, you know, we just had a great time. And, you know, it's, I don't know, like, it's just, I, I know one thing I've always kind of struggled with is, you know, I don't know, it might sound silly, but the word, the word love and knowing like what that means. And it can mean different things from person to person. My sister-in-law said it and my good friend said it. We parted ways with I love you. And it's not something I'm used to, but it just, it feel, it just fills me with so much love and thankfulness. And I am just so grateful. And I'd like to take the opportunity to let you guys know I had actually reached out to my counselor I had mentioned in my uh, podcast episode. Uh, May have been a couple episodes back, but I had reached out to her as a counselor that I had when I was in the fifth grade. It had been like six or so years since I had last seen her. Um, I, I just can't believe that it's been so long, but we've managed to stay in touch for over 20 years. It's it's insane. She she was just always just an amazing role model in my life. And it's funny because I've met so many people who have told me about doing yoga and meditation. And it's funny when I was younger, I used to kind of be like, what meditation yoga, that's not going to do anything for me. That's silly. Like I used to have that mindset. But now that I've kind of dived into it more recently, I can see the benefits of it and and honestly simply just disconnecting and allowing yourself to just feel and think whatever comes in and it's just so liberating but when I was younger I'm like what just like I don't know to me it sounded hokey like I'll admit it sounded hokey but it really really does work you know and just a very quiet place and setting and just allowing yourself to just be fully disconnected from like any electronics, anything like that. And she was, I think, the first person who'd kind of told me about it. And I know she loves doing yoga and whatnot. And um, so anyway, I happened to reach out to her and um, ask how she was doing and ask if we could meet up sometime. Um, She is... um, she is uh, quite a bit older, so she is erring on the side of caution um, and not having like in-person gatherings, you know, because of COVID and all that crazy stuff. And so I asked, I asked her, I'm like, okay, uh, maybe we can, you know, do like a little Zoom or something like that. I think it would just be so much fun. And she asked me just, you know, what was going on in my life and stuff. And in a few paragraphs, more or less, I had told her basically a summarization of the last six or so years. There had been a lots of ups and lots of downs, just how life is. 
you know, but mostly pros and positives um, when thinking about like where I came from, a lot of things that I feel really accomplished and, and proud of. And she seems so happy to hear it. Um, she actually happened to have, um, I think maybe a friend uh, who replied to me because she had an injury, um, so she couldn't immediately, uh, she couldn't type. So she had a friend uh, reach back out to me. And I actually need to reach back out uh, and follow up on that because I'm like, oh no, like I hope she recovers and, and just wish her a uh, speedy recovery and all that. But um, it just felt amazing because in her letter, she told me that she was just amazed and, you know, grateful to hear that how, just how my, how far I've come, how, how far my life has come from when she knew me when I was 10 years old and how things have worked out for me in the better and that her hope for me is that things continue to only get better and better and that I, I deserve that. You know, that, that was just, that was just amazing to hear. It was, it was amazing to hear and it feels good for me and probably for her to have been someone who has known me for like, like 20, almost 24 years basically and seeing me in at pretty much at my absolute worst to now at my lowest point in my life to now and I think there's something to be said about that you know and so I think it's just probably so rewarding for a lot of um, professionals I said like I have a teacher who I feel the same way about and it's just it's just there's something special someone who's known you and just have has seen you navigate all these challenges and to see you know where things end up I, I imagine must be special for someone who you know who works with kids so um I just wanted to kind of throw that in there so I'm excited to maybe reach out to her I don't know maybe someday I'll have her on an episode I don't know who knows stay tuned but in this episode I don't want to spend too long like with my rambling this time but I also want to let you know I had a takeaway from the last few weeks and because I've I've spent probably the last couple of years just feeling deep guilt and remorse for things I've said or done over the years stupid things I've said or done and asking for forgiveness from folks and something I was told recently is that I shouldn't have to feel like I always need to apologize for anything or apologize for things because I, you know, we all should have that same permission to, you know, to grow as people. We all make mistakes and, you know, especially like when we're young, you know, I mean, I think back and I'm like, you know, when I was like 16, I thought I'm like, you know, I'm so mature and I have it all together. I know everything. And, and like, well, maybe, maybe I was mature for my age. Sure. Like, I look back now and I'm like, yeah, girl, you still have so much, so much learning to do. I look back at that person like you have so, you know, so many things to learn still. And um, I think it's common for teenagers. Like you think, you know, when you hit like 18, I have it all figured out. But no, like, oh, I look back now and just think like, you know, you still, you know, you still got some things to learn. And um, yeah, I sometimes I find myself wishing that I could go back with the knowledge that I have now to that person, you know, it's like, what would you tell your younger self in like three words? And I'd probably say for those of you who are in my X-Files community, um, I'd probably tell myself to maybe not give up, you know, don't give up. Um, I think those would be the words that I would tell my younger self if I only had three words to say. But without further ado, let's go ahead and jump back into where we were left off on our most recent episode which was back in it's back I think around the time that we found out my husband's uh, mom my mother-in-law had brain cancer now she was diagnosed in 2010 and she passed away in 2013 actually like I think only three or four days after our wedding anniversary and so for the first couple of years I it was difficult like um you know, because it was right around our anniversary and it was kind of bittersweet. And we, we look back on that now, it's been so long. It's been almost 10 years, um, since, uh, my mother-in-law has passed away. Um, and she still doesn't have a headstone, but 
that's a, a story for another day. Yeah. <laughs> and that's not on our behalf. It's on her uh, husband's behalf who has since remarried. So I, I don't know. I don't know. Is it normal to like go that long to, for someone to not have a headstone for 10 years? I don't know. You guys let me know. I don't know. That's weird. Anyway, so she passed away in 2013. So I'll pick back up and I'll dial back a little bit to 2010 or so. I had a job at JCPenney, which I was there for like six months. I was about a year or so, year and a half or so after working at the coffee shop. I, I don't know, at a young age, I was very just kind of like disenfranchised with the workforce, you know, with the recession and my experience at past jobs and whatever. And for the most part, my experience experience at JCPenney was, was pretty, was pretty all right. And, um, that's actually where I met one of my very good friends, Sandy, and we have been great friends ever since. I'm so thankful that I met her, even though I was at that job for six months. I'm just, I'm so thankful. I mean, I, I feel like the universe has its way of, of connecting people. And so, you know, we had hung out and I remember when I left, when I, when I, um, I was moving on to another job, uh, at, uh, a grocery store or one of our local original grocery stores. And we, I don't know, like, uh, um, it, I know she said that she would miss me and that meant, I meant a lot. I know she would, she would miss me and I will, you know, I'm, I'm always, yeah, it, it was just a friendship that, gosh, it's. It's been almost 13 years since we've known each other. That's insane. Um, and yeah, I had moved on to another job, um, which I had again encountered a manager who kind of took advantage of me. Initially, she wasn't the manager. I will, I'm not going to name names on here or anything like that, but um, she was promoted into a manager um, simply because she had open availability. And she didn't have a car, and she was frequently late for work. She often never cleaned up her messes. She would leave message, messes for the opener in the morning um, because I was working. I was doing coffee inside the grocery store. I was making coffee uh, as a barista inside the grocery store. And I was only there for probably also about six or so months. And at, toward the end, I ended up giving a week notice, got a bunch of flack for it, but it's one of the times I will never look back on quitting that job. And it, I just got to the point because I had since I had talked to the, it was a unionized job. So I had talked to like the union, you know, equivalent of like the HR and they basically couldn't really do much, basically. I don't even remember what they said, but they couldn't really do much about the way I was being treated. I actually feel like I was low-key sexually harassed by a guy who had worked there who was who had made a comment about my body as I was bending over to grab something once. And I should have reported it. I look back. It was inappropriate. It was harassment. And I had met another friend there who I was friends with for about a year and a half after that, who I will, I will get into that later. Um, our, our friendship kind of dissolved, which was a bit of a bummer, but, um, anyway, this, this girl who's promoted into a manager, she, she had like a, a couple of like baby daddies. She had to get to work via bus. Um, and I don't know, she just made it clear that she just did not, didn't like me for whatever reasons resented the fact that I was married, whatever. And, you know, and, and it, I don't know, it was, it was just kind of weird. Um, and I, I don't know, like, I don't know how I seem to land in these situations, but thankfully I feel like there's been more awareness towards bullying and harassment culture in work, workplaces that it's, it seems to be like, of course, I'm sure these situations still happen, but there seems to be more of a zero tolerance towards that, like in more recent years. So, you know, I'm, I'm really quite thankful for that, but I was there for, yes, for six months. And I don't, I, I remember I actually, for being retail, I normally did not work weekends. And one weekend I happened to ask for off and that was for my husband's and I are a three year 
wedding anniversary. Um, so that three-year wedding anniversary, asked for the day off because we were planning to go to Tahoe. And this, the same girl was the one who approved um, our timesheets, our schedules and whatnot. And it just so happened that she gave herself that day off and scheduled me to work. Now, normally I wouldn't come to conclusions, but the fact that I had normally didn't work weekends, but I was just putting it, you know, putting it down to say, hey, I won't be available just in case. And the fact that she purposely scheduled me, I'm like, mm -mm, I'm done. And I gave a week's notice. I remember a manager approach, approached me and said, you know, this won't fly at any other job that you have. You know, th this, this isn't cool. Like, and I, I didn't know what to say. I, you know, we're in California. So technically I know like, so a two week notice, we're basically in an at will employment state, which means employment can be terminated by either party, either the employer or employee at any given time for any different re any reason. And so, I mean, yes, if you want to remain on good terms with your employer and, you know, you want to use them as a reference and whatnot, yes, like the general consensus and uh, common courtesy is to give a two-week notice. Um, but you don't have to, especially if you are in a toxic work environment like I was, that I, that I had found myself in. So I felt like, all things considered, a week was generous. So I had, I think, so I had given my notice. They scheduled my last day to be an opening day, which was like, I don't know, 5 a.m. or something, which again, I never did. I literally never opened. And so I, I will say, you know, I called out sick that day and I knew that this girl was doing it intentionally and was getting away with it. And so I'm like, no, I'm not, I'm not doing this anymore. And so that was it. I had called out at night, said, nope, I'm, I'm sick. I'm not coming in. And that was it. Actually, or <laughs> during this six months too, I remember I had gotten physically sick. And normally you have to call in at least two hours ahead of time if you're going to call out sick. Now, I, I think it was about an hour or so, hour and a half. I was feeling funny. I was feeling funny. I thought maybe, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd feel better after a little bit of rest. Things would get better, you know, whatever. I had a little bit of a stomach ache. But about an hour or 45 minutes before I had to go to work, I threw up. And I'm like, okay, I guess I'm, I re I'm really sick. I can't go into work like this. I mean, I, this was food service, guys. I mean, <laughs> obviously can't be around people uh, or food or anything like that. So... I called out and the day I came back to work, they, they wrote me up. They wrote me up for calling out less than two hours before work. And I, looking back, they'll, they'll make you sign your write up, but legally you, you don't have to sign it. If you don't agree with it, you don't have to sign it, but they will ask you to sign it. And I signed it, but I look back and like, I shouldn't have signed it because I didn't, I didn't agree with it. I, you know, it was truly a situation to where like I thought I was going to feel better and I started feeling sick. And just the fact that they expected me to come in like that is just like, yeah, that, I mean, that's, that tells you all, that tells you all you need to know. <laughs> so this was in like summer of 2011. And I actually, I think this was, about a month or two before I got my driver's license and there's another episode I want to talk to you guys about another topic of discussion um, was I was 22 when I first got my my driver's license I was 22 I was a little bit older than most but you know looking back I I don't regret it I was going through so many other things and I was in flight or flight fight or flight response for a quite a long time and needed to you know, get so many other things, parts of my life in order before that's something that I could focus on. But luckily I lived in a place where it was very easy to get around either by public transit or walking. Um, but I did face a great deal of criticism and shame for a lot of, from a lot of folks because I had waited so long to get my license and drive. Um, 
and that's that's another topic I'll discuss later. But I yeah I um I had gotten my license and then shortly after that, FYI, it took me three times and mostly the first time was because I didn't know the like the hand signals like for like the bicyclists and whatnot and so I immediately failed and um, I think. I had like practice off and on. I had a permit a couple of times and then it expired since I was about like 18 and then and, and just kind of let it go and then took the took the um took the test again. I think it's just the written test. Got my permit again. Um but then I didn't take the written test until yeah, I was 22. And um passed on the third time. I th- I don't remember the second time why I didn't pass. I don't I don't remember. But I, I passed on the third time, and I kind of cheated a little bit because I used my driver's um, uh, mirrors, the little mirrors on the outside, um, to kind of, I, I was able, you know, you know how you can adjust the mirrors. I adjusted the mirrors so I could see how I'm parking. Um, because here in California, that you, you're required to parallel park during your driver's test. You're required to parallel park. Um, and, and to this day, like, I'm almost 34. Uh, I can parallel park, but I will try and avoid it if if I can. Like mostly, if it's like I can just slide right behind someone, sure. But when it comes between, it comes to parking between two closely parked cars, it it's it's a uh, it's a stretch. So I will park further away. But if I can slide in to someone, I can back up straight. Things like that. It's just like. Yeah, and I think a lot of people don't, can't, or don't, or, or won't, or refuse to parallel park, especially, like, you know, if you're someone who lives in more of a rural area, you know, you're not used to city driving, um, it's just something you kind of pick up. Now, I've gotten better out of the, uh, throughout the years, but, you know, driving a bigger car and stuff like that now, it's like, sometimes it's, like, sometimes it's still, like, kind of a pain. And if you hit the curb, I think it's, like, an automatic fail on your driver's test, <laughs> um, but yeah, so I mean, I, I'm pretty grateful because during this point in time, I, I think I had some my, a family friend and then my husband mostly who um, was was with me when I was doing, when I had my permit, when I had gotten my permit, um, I had spent time with them, like my husband and um, family friend kind of driving around. Um, and so that's kind of how I learned when I was older. And that was that was helpful because I feel like I don't know. Like I saw my brother like when he was learning to drive with my dad and my dad was not patient with him. And I just knew that I, as someone who has a lot of anxiety, I would need someone who, you know, would be patient with me, you know, and, you know, knock on wood, I haven't had any at fault accidents up to this day. Um, So I'm super, super proud of that. But, you know, for a long time, I felt, I felt like, you know, I don't know, like, I just, I I wasn't sure when, when or if I would drive. Um, I think that'll be another episode, um, because I could have a whole discussion on that. But anyway, after that, I got to meet my two idols, uh, Jillian Anderson and David Duchovny, and also Chris Carter, um, creator of the X-Files, um, Shortly after that, we drove down to SoCal. I think it was one of our first times uh, going down to SoCal. Um, I was just, it was, a, it was an amazing trip. And listening to both Jillian and David and Chris talking to one another, it was just, you know, if you know, you know, it's another one of those things. And, but just meeting these, these idols that, you know, I had looked up to since from watching a show since I was like, 11 and gosh I was only yeah I was only 22 so I don't you know I I mean for gosh like I've been watching X-Files for wow two-thirds of my more than two-thirds of my life at this point um it's just it's always been like my my touchstone has been X-Files um through and through um so that I'm grateful for that so, uh, you know, for a couple of months, I wasn't working. And then I had landed this office job for a small e-commerce company. 
that had a few different types of businesses. Um, it was um, like fortune cookies for dogs, uh, fortune like regular fortune cookies, um, selling travel packages for um, Olympic games and whatnot. And it was really, it was interesting. And they also sold, I think, um, like technology packages for travel agencies and whatnot. So I was there for like two years. Um, and it was my first like, quote unquote, like big girl job, I guess. Like, I don't know, however you wanna see it. Um, didn't have benefits, which were, was kind of a bummer. Didn't have any benefits or anything. The guy was, um, I could go on <laughs> about him, but he was total micromanager, loved to throw his weight around and wanted to feel in control at all times. Uh, we couldn't listen to music, couldn't do, you know, we had to answer the phone corporate office just to sound like we were this big operation. And then when customers would come, they would be like, um, I'm looking for the fortune cookie store. And they're expecting an actual storefront, not this like little office with like four people. Um, but this was actually my first like content based job. And at that time I was thinking about getting into real estate. I was studying for um, my real estate license. I was thinking about graduating uh, with a degree in real estate. But then I honestly changed that major later on to business management because I feel like, well, you know, if I change directions and I want to do something else that's not real estate, I can, a business management degree will be more versatile. And with real estate, you don't even need a degree. You just need a real estate license. Um, so that's what I decided to do. And I'm Glad I did because I did decide later on after getting this job um, that I didn't want to do real estate. I wanted to do something that was more like marketing and content creation and social media and stuff like that. So that's kind of where my career kind of picked off. And, you know, I've been doing it for, man, like 12 years now, I guess. 12 years. Yeah. So I've been doing it for 12 years. So that was kind of a very entry level job. You know, I you know, I had just graduated community college, um, graduated community college in 2011, and I just transferred to um, university. And my husband and I were doing distance learning, so we were doing it online, which I will 100% stand behind. Um, I remember we got so much flack for doing distance learning from folks in our family who would mostly be like, oh, well, you should go to a physical school and it's not legit if it's online and da, 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 da. But fast forward, here we are now, we're like, you know, especially with COVID and that landscape changed so much where like even like kids in school, like in grade school are doing school online and whatnot. And it's just like the nature of things, just how things are now. Um, and I'm glad I did it that way because it allowed me to still work while getting that experience and also paying my bills. So it was important that um, I'd be able to simultaneously, you know, work, pay bills and also get my, my education. And um, I went to a small, um, a small private college called Merrillhurst. Um, Merrillhurst um, was a uh, Catholic university. And unfortunately, only a couple of years back. It had closed, um, I think due to like a lot of financial reasons. Um, it was a nonprofit, I believe, uh, institution, but um, they were around for over a hundred years. Um, but I think it was, yeah, it was the lack of, I think, students and tuition that they were getting that they decided to close. And I remember at one point I was thinking about getting a master's degree, but then I think, it's, yeah, it was, couple years after and ended up deciding not to do it. And that's a different discussion. But um, both of my husband and I ended up going to school for business management. And we would do that while we were both simultaneously working. And, you know, while this was all happening. Oh, so it was it was um, it was a year. Uh, <laughs> um, I, I think I, I, I skipped ahead a little bit. But about a year or so before that, I um, my paternal grandmother had passed away. And this was shortly after we found out my husband's uh, mom had brain cancer. And um, I'm trying to remember. I think she passed away of somewhat natural causes. I mean, she had some health problems. And towards the end, she just wasn't really eating and just getting real frail. 
she wasn't like that old, but um, I think she was like only 79, but she looked like she was way older because she didn't take care of her health. And I remember when I got that call, because she was in a care facility at the time. We um, had gone to Santa Cruz with my husband's brother and his wife. Um, and uh, I think at the time, <laughs> that was an eventful day. Um, firstly, we, my husband had gotten a speeding ticket and there was an area where it drops from like, like, I don't know, 50 miles per hour to like 20, like really fast. And he didn't notice it. Got a ticket. That was kind of a, that was kind of a pisser. And, you know, we weren't even in Santa Cruz. We were walking around, just kind of hanging out. And then I got the call from my dad that uh, my grandmother had passed away and that I needed to come right away to the care facility. And looking back at that now, I don't, I don't know why, like, you know, if she had passed away already, why I had to come immediately, you know, um, because, you know, it, the inevitable, inevitable happened. She, my dad, they had asked my dad if, she, you know, he wanted to resuscitate her. He said no. He wanted to respect her wishes. She had been wanting to, to pass away for a long time and her health wasn't good and you know resuscitating her would probably would probably like would kill her so so yeah I remember that day I we had to go back and I felt kind of bad that like we just got there we're there for maybe a half hour hour at most then we had to turn right back around and you know his brother and his brother's wife they were super nice about it like totally understood and we went to go see my grandmother who passed away. I remember seeing her, her body. It was yellowing and I think cold. And I don't know if rigor mortis has set in, but I know it was disturbing to my husband because it reminded him of when his dad passed away. And, um, you know, he was there to support me and I appreciate that. And I think my brother was there. Uh, my brother's um, girlfriend at the time, I think, was there too. And... You know, it was uh, it was hard to see her that way. And I think, but I don't know, that's just kind of how my dad seems to process grief. And I remember when our we had to put our dog to sleep. This, this was shortly before my husband and I got married. We had to put our dog to sleep that I had known since I was 10 years old. And I had to watch that process um, of her being euthanized, you know, humanely and all that. But having her last meal and everything, very deeply traumatizing. I remember going to work right afterwards. And looking back, I should have at least taken that day off, maybe a couple of days. I just couldn't get the image out of my head. And it was kind of the same thing when I saw my grandmother. I just couldn't get it out of my head. And after that experience, I just kind of, I decided that I'm like, you know, I don't need to see the physical body of someone who's passed to get my closure, you know, especially at this point, she had already passed. There was nothing else we can do. I mean, in my dad's mind, it was paying as it was us, you know, to pay our respects and whatnot. And I mean, I get that, but also at the same time, I feel like it should be up to the individual, how they handle and want to process their grief because not everyone does it in the same way. And, you know, that's, that's hard for, a lot of people, some people, you know, they'll want to see the body, but other people, you know, like myself, I'd prefer to have, to not have that be my last memory of my loved one. And when my other grandmother later passed away, I, that was the choice that I made on my own, you know, having my family see it and have that closure was enough for me. I didn't need to see it for myself, but yeah, so I think... Back then, I wish that I, you know, I was still, I was still, you know, not controlled, but just like a people pleaser and not really knowing that I had autonomy and choice. And yeah, anyway, I mean, it was, it was, uh, it was difficult. And that, yeah, that was when I had a couple of jobs before. And that, yeah, it was, uh, that was not easy. And during these couple of years, you know, we had to navigate, you know, my, my, 
you know, we're both working and going to school and my husband um, would have to take his mom to her medical appointments. And I know they were doing therapy together at one point and, you know, just all of this going on. It's like for a new marriage, for like a young couple working, going to school and having to navigate like illness in the family. Like it was just, it was a lot. And uh, yeah, I just, sometimes I look back and I'm like, oh my gosh, like how, how did we manage all that? I think that's why I'm like so burned out nowadays, like over the littlest things, like take so much energy, like I kid you not. Um, but I think it was just accumulation of just years of not having a breather. But then, okay, so later on in 2011, you know, I, when I had gotten this office job and we were starting university and whatnot. Um, my husband's uh, stepfather, I remember, I don't know, I made a post about Columbus Day or something like that. Nothing even concerned him. He got super offended and he's he basically made the choice like, well, I'm going to, I'm not speaking to you now. I'm disowning you. And his mom went along my mother-in-law went along with uh, my husband's stepdad, just kind of went along with it and kind of echoed what he said. And later on, I think I mentioned in another episode that she had said, I married an asshole just like my father. So some part of her knew that she married someone who was like her father. And, and, and you know, it, it's always been said that, like, you know, women... Uh, marry someone like their dad and, and and guys marry someone like their mom and maybe that's like kind of the case for my husband but I think from what I'm hearing more recently from what I've kind of found and discovered is that children will gravitate towards a partner who who is most like the parent they're trying to repair subconsciously a damaged relationship with so they're looking to repair a damaged relationship um with that like with that one parent and that could be a dad or a mom or whatever whichever parent that is and um and that was kind of an interesting realization because i think i do have some of the traits that and uh, you know my husband's mom had for sure but my husband and my dad i don't think they're really anything like i think he's more like my mom which is interesting yeah, so it's 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 interesting. You know, I don't, I don't so and this was 2011, I think my mother-in-law at one point had her cancer go into remission and I think this was when they did this whole like disowning. They disowned us. I mean, literally over a Facebook post, which is <laughs> I'm glad I don't even really spend too much I don't even really get on Facebook much anymore. Um but yeah, over a Facebook post. And yeah, so we had to, you know, I remember my husband sent an email saying, you know, let's just be let bygones be bygones. Let's let, you know, let's just let this past be behind us. No, they they were holding strong on that. They're like, nope, didn't want to talk to us anymore. Until like a year later, when I think my husband's mom's cancer had come back. And I think, because she started off with think stage two, and I think it had come back to stage four. And that was when we were invited to uh, her birthday party, which I talked about in my last episode. And I remember he, my husband was only told like a couple days before, like last minute. This was a big birthday party, but my husband was told last minute, likely because someone maybe told his stepdad that, yeah, you know, you should invite her son. Otherwise, like he would be the one who would be looking bad. Um, his stepdad anyway for not inviting him and so we did go uh, I had prearranged other plans that day but we made it work so we could go um, but it was a very one-sided relationship always on their terms and I think now looking back I realize a lot of that was my husband's stepfather because she married someone who was like her abusive father and she knew it too she had acknowledged it um at one point i think in therapy with my husband and also when we were together when she made that statement and inhibitions were just loose and she just came out and said that she married someone who is toxic just like her dad 
and it was a lot of it brought a lot of clarity and it makes sense why she just kind of went along with what he said and I tell my husband and now and I'm like you know none of it was your fault you know your mom was young when she had you she came from trauma hadn't really dealt with it you know um it, it none of that was your fault you know and she had her own issues and as a result of that you know she married someone who was a lot like her her own uh her own father and that's how things ended up kind of turning out so i'm like you know it's uh it's not it's not on you you know um and so i think we know that now we look back and realize that now like it wasn't anything that we did. You know, his stepdad just was not a nice person. And his mom, you know, a lot of times when women are in abusive relationships, they will often try to not cover up, but they will try and excuse uh, the behavior of the abuser uh, or make sense of it or try to justify it in some way. And, And it's really nothing about you and yeah so it's been enlightening to kind of learn that because at the time it's like we took it very personally like you know we were just treated like we just we just murdered somebody you know just over a facebook post like it's ridiculous um and yeah so after the birthday my husband i think spent more and more time with his mom i think she was you know to the point where she was on hospice care and um inevitably you know, I think it was like six, seven months later where, you know, she had passed away. Um, yeah. And I just, uh, yeah, it was, it was difficult. And I remember shortly before she passed away, um, you know, his stepfather would tell even his uncles and tell him that his mom didn't want to see anyone, including like her own son, like would not see anyone. But Shortly, a couple days before she passed away, we actually, for our five-year wedding anniversary, went back to Tahoe to renew our vows. And, yeah, that was a, that was a difficult time. But we went back to renew our vows, and I, uh, I remember his, his stepdad had, my husband's stepdad told him that, he's like, you know, I, he's like, no, you shouldn't go. Like, your mom can pass away, and you're not, you shouldn't, you shouldn't go. You shouldn't go anywhere. Now, I could sort of understand, like, where he's coming from, but also in a way, like, this is the same person who's like, no, she doesn't want to see anyone. Uh, You know, this is, you know, you can only come visit on our terms, you know, yada, yada. But now it's like, you know, we have something coming up that is special for us. Like, no, you shouldn't go. Like, it's like really controlling. Like, okay, one minute you're saying, no, we can't visit, you know, it always has to be like scheduled or whatever. And now you're saying, no, don't go anywhere. And I was telling my husband, I'm like, you know, I don't know, at least to me, I know everyone, again, handles grief differently, but I know it was hard for my husband to have to sit and have to watch her pass away slowly. And I'm like, you know, your mom wouldn't want you to to be miserable, to be sad and to miss out on something fun. And, and, you know, your mom wouldn't want that for you, you know? And so we did go and renew our vows and she'd passed away a couple days later. Because at this point, she wasn't, she was no longer conscious. So any visits were just basically watching, watching her, her vigil, just watch her sleep, basically. And, you know, um, but yeah, his, his uh, stepdad tried to guilt us into not going, which uh, again, if this were like, if, if the situation were different, I would agree with him. But it's just like, okay, no, you, you can only visit on our terms. Oh, no, now you can't go anywhere. Um, wanting to have that control. And so I, you know, I, I told my husband, like, you know, we got to make, we got to make that decision. So we ended up going. And I remember it, we, it was a four-hour drive in the morning. And we picked up my, my mom and my stepdad that that day and I don't remember exactly what happened but my mom got mad at me I was I was was flustered in a rush because we had to be there at a certain time and my mom like got snapped at me and I don't remember what exactly was said but I just remember that I carry that with me 
throughout the day and then I was trying to make it not bother me. And I think that's when I, I realized that I'm like, you know, it, it kind of reminded me of when we got married and, you know, I wasn't, I did not have a good relationship with my dad at the time. And, um, you know, people left early and then he, he exchanged words with me and it just, uh, it's just like, you know, if you have any sort of large wedding, there's always going to be something like whether it's the cake not being made correctly or, um, a family member who's not acting correct. I don't know, whatever. There's always something. It's never going to be hundred percent perfect. Things happen, especially like the bigger it is. And so I think that's what made my husband and I realize I'm like, you know, next time we renew our vows, let's just go alone. Let's just go, you know, somewhere that we've always wanted and just like just the two of us and like a witness or whatever. Well, I don't even think we need a witness because you're just renewing vows. Um, but yeah, it, it, I don't remember. I, I want to remember exactly what happened, but I just rem I just remember feeling just so hurt. And you know, this was supposed to be a special day, and I'm just like, oh great, another day that is ruined. I can't ever have like the perfect day. And for a long time, I was so hell bent on having this like perfect day. And now I realize, after all of the trials and turmoils my husband and I have been through you really do realize it's like it's what you make of the marriage not not the day that you exchange vows or get married because that's over quickly and it, it doesn't matter what that day was about it, it matters your what your relationship was like what how you navigate the marriage and how you handle things together how you get through things together that's really <laughs> is what matters within a marriage and so it doesn't bother me anymore because, like, for a long time, I'll look back and think, like, oh, my God, like, my wedding was ruined and, you know, I can't go back and undo that. And, you know, now I'm like, you know, honestly, if I could do anything differently, I'd probably have a different, you know, I'll do a whole podcast episode on some of my regrets. But I would just honestly probably just elope um, and spend the money on a nice honeymoon instead because weddings are great and all, but, like, it's over quickly, like your day is over. And I think the money would rather be better spent on like a trip of a lifetime. And you know, since we were broke college students, we didn't get that. After we got married, we went right back to school, I think the following weekend. Um, but yeah. Um, so yeah, like, and I think leading up to those months, um, my husband and I had you know, taken like a side job for this woman who had like a, um, like a shapewear business. And, um, I, I initially started doing marketing like on the side. So I had two jobs and I was going to school and it was getting kind of difficult to manage because I think I was working 30 hours a week plus the side job plus going to school. So I remember, I remember it being difficult. Like, gosh, it was 10 years ago now and doing marketing and I think it was only lasted a month or two but I think towards the end I remember this woman got really condescending and sour towards me when she would demand to be like when I'd give her my okay here's my hours worked here's what I did she'd try and be like oh well x y and z shouldn't have taken that long show me what you did blah 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 when I try to tell her like how many hours I worked. And so she tried to justify why she didn't have to pay me. And I was only being paid, paid I think like minimum wage also. So I don't, I don't know. Um, and my husband was doing like some shipping stuff for her and would go like house sit for her and stuff like that. Um, and he had to wait for a package at her house and he had to wait six hours and then she was like, oh, well, you weren't doing anything during that time. Why should I have to pay you? You know, you were just sitting there. And it's just like, oh, well, time is money. Like, we had to wait for, you know, he had to wait for a package. But I think we both mutually decided to stop working for her. I think at the same time, and I think it was by text message. And she was, she went on to say how unprofessional we were and how our work was mediocre and just very unprofessional things. I mean, again, we were just working for this woman just for some extra cash and it, but just the way she went about it was very unprofessional. Like if this were a professional work environment, I'd, I'd be like, that's not happening. Like that's not 
okay to talk to someone like that. It's not okay to be like, oh, well, you know, I shouldn't have to pay you. Or I think there was another instance where she wanted to dock pay. I think, I don't know, it was from one of us. She she wanted to dock pay. And um, we ended up having to go to the labor board, which uh, California has a great... Uh, system that protects its hourly workers. So if you're ever in a situation where you even have a question about your employer, go to labor labor board. Especially if it's you're not getting your breaks on time, you're not you're missing lunches, things like that. Um, so I went to labor board, and I was really anxiety reduce <laughs> inducing because she made all kinds of threats towards us um, in this process when she got notified that she was being called to the labor board. And I remember being in the meeting and my husband and I were together and, you know, she just looked like she hated every millisecond of being there. She didn't even look at us directly. She looked down the whole time. And I remember the labor commissioner, you know, was asking us both questions and whatnot. And she tried to explain, you know, why she wanted to dock pay or whatever. And the labor commissioner was like, you can't you can't do that. Like you can let somebody go if their work isn't up to par. Um, you can let them go. Um, but you can't agree to pay someone hourly and then decide to dock pay. Like you can't do that. And this woman, it, it became apparently that, you know, because she, she was foreign and clearly did not know anything about labor laws at this point in time. And, uh, um, was getting a quick lesson in that. And when it came out that she would have, if it went to court, if we went to court against her, that she'd have to pay us out to the equivalent of like three grand. And we were only asking, I think for a few hours of pay, like, I think like 80 bucks and like 120 bucks. Um, at the time that was a lot of money for us. We were broke. We needed the money. We we're really stretched thin, struggling. Um, you know, our rent was late all the time. Uh, our, a lot of our credit cards had to be let go. Um, it was just a really difficult time. So like, it was, it was like gold to us. So like we eventually went to labor board and she had an option to where, you know, just to pay up the cash that she owed us right then and there, or we could take her to court. And it was up to us. And the labor commissioner let her know that if she were, if we were to take this to court, she could be out several thousand dollars because of the accrued penalties for each day that, you know, she hadn't paid us. Because I think when you're paid late by an employer, there are penalties that you can claim. Um, like if you have a missed paycheck or they're not, you're not paid on time, there are penalties that accrue daily that you can collect off of that. And at this point, I think it had been a couple of weeks. So she owed us penalties. Um, However, if we did go to court, the downside is that it would probably take at least a year to see a courtroom and we needed the money like right then. So we ended up just settling for what we were owed. Um, but just seeing the look of the just dejection on her face, just like how resigned she looked was enough satisfaction for the way she treated us and just getting what we were owed. Um, when she realized that uh, her story would not hold up. And I remember she paid out a couple hundred dollars for me to purchase gift cards for the company and then later tried to say that she overpaid me. And I'm like, no, this amount of dollars was because you had given me the funds to purchase gift cards for the company and I had the receipts for said, for, for said uh, gift cards. I have the receipts. And the labor commissioner looks over at her and is like, is this true? And she's like, oh, well, I have to go back and look at my records. Like, she literally, even, she couldn't hold her story straight. So the labor commissioner is like, huh, well, you were so sure of yourself just a minute ago. And I guess she, she, this woman played on the fact and hoped that my husband and I were not, you know, that she, she prayed. Uh, on our naivete, I would say, and just hope that we wouldn't know anything about labor laws or 
um, about receipts or whatever. And I'm like, no, I have, I have the receipts of what that money was for and used on. And she, she couldn't come back with anything. And so, yeah, it was enough walking away from that situation. And it was a very short stunt, but yeah, it just kind of soured my experience working for a single employer, like, or just like a one man or one woman show. Um, because there's no HR department. There's nowhere there's nowhere to go if you have an issue with your boss. That's it. Like you gotta either go to the labor board, you gotta quit and then sue or whatever, or take them to court, I mean, or file complaints. There's very limited things you can do. That uh that was in the midst of yeah, that was shortly before my husband's mom passed away. And then my husband's grandfather I think passed away either shortly before his mom or shortly after. Um and he, had, he was, you know, older. He was in his early 90s. He had dementia and stuff like that. So it had been some, some time coming. Uh, but he was a, a, such a great man. And I remember reading at his funeral about uh, a story that, you know, when he was at our wedding and how he got his piece of cake before anyone else at our wedding and came walking out with it. And it was just so amazing to me because my husband's aunts really appreciated that I spoke and, and talked about that story and that memory, and they still do. And so that just, that, that meant the world for me. Um, so uh, I had the opportunity to do that. And um, I also, I think, yeah, it was around the, t yeah, it was around our graduation time. I think shortly before my, yeah, shortly before I think we graduated, I think my brother, had broke up uh, with his ex for a variety of different reasons, and that and that was after five years. That was a that was a big big deal. But he ended up meeting his um, his current wife, I think, like a about a month or so later. And um, she she was a really sweet and amazing person, and she she's just a, a great individual. Um, couldn't ask for a better sister-in-law, you know, Gracie, if you're listening. <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah, so it, it was a year. That was 2013. I kind of jumped around a little bit, I know. From 2011 to 2013, so, so many things on our plates. Um, but later that year, after my husband's mom passed away, I, um, I think we went to the cemetery, and my husband actually happened to see his stepdad. We saw, or at least he saw him one last time. It's been 10 years now. Um, last time he saw him, and... I told my husband, I'm like, you know, he, he wanted to go say hi to his stepdad. I'm like, okay, I'm, I'll let you go ahead. I'll, I'll just wait in the car. Um, because I knew what the result would be. I, I knew. And I, so I just let my husband go. I'm like, okay, I'll just, I'll just wait for, here for you. And when he comes back, he tells me that his stepdad didn't say a word to him. He came up and he said hi. Uh, I guess his stepdad said hi. They didn't, he didn't say anything else to him, nothing whatsoever. And, and then I think my husband came back to the car and yeah, so, uh, my, yeah, his, uh, he, he hasn't, we haven't seen or spoken to his stepdad since. Um, and that says a lot for someone his mom was married to for probably like, I don't know, t almost 25 years or something. It was a long time, maybe 20 years. And, um, yeah, maybe, maybe, uh, 20 or 20 something years. And, um, yeah. So later that year, I, you know, resigned from the small office job that I had, um, uh, that I was working for that guy, like, man, that was, the guy was a piece of work. <laughs> um, yeah. And, um, I remember he told me, I think, so I had worked for this guy for a while and then I, found another job right after I had finished my four-year degree in business management. I graduated, found this other job. Um, not entirely what I was like. I mean, it was like a, it was like a managerial position, but it wasn't exactly what I was looking for, but it paid well. And it was with the tech company. I'm like, okay, great. Like, you know, this is what I'm looking for. And they had like free meals four out of five days of the week. It was like, it was sweet. It was great. They had flex time, everything. And, um, Fast forward three months, you know, they, on my 90th day, they decided to let me go without any reason. 
completely and utterly devastating because <laughs> just when we thought we would, you know, we we're finally going to be getting our bills paid and all that and, and things were looking up, um, it just, every, just the, my, felt like my world was just crashing around me. This was only, um, this was the weekend before Christmas, so... I had lost this job, and I'm like, what are we going to do? We we're barely paying bills. Um, what are we going to do? And a couple days later, and this was over a weekend, one of my cats had been sick. Um, uh, we had taken her to the vet, I think, like the next day or something. And they gave her some medicine. A couple days later, um, I, I was you know, spending some time with a friend, I came home and she was under my bed and passed away, my, my cat Luna. And I had to call my friend to come back and take me with her back to her house because I was beside myself. I, I couldn't do, I, I couldn't touch her body or I think I did. And my friend couldn't even look at her body either because my friend had just lost her dog a couple months before that and so we both kind of sat together by the edge of the bed and she kind of looked under there and kind of reached and we both kind of touched her together and she's like yeah I think I think she's passed away and she sat there with me and um, we cried together this was the day before Christmas Eve that this happened so three days after I lost my job and I lost my beloved kitty and um so I went back to my friend's house and uh, we waited until my husband got off work and then when he came over um to pick me up I, I you know we told him that she had passed away and we needed him <laughs> to help with the body and um he did it and um he said that I think he went home to take to wrap her body up and then come back came back to get me and I could tell that he was upset and um he uh had a hard time doing it but he did it and the next day we went to take her to be cremated um at the Humane Society this was Christmas Eve I think yes yeah so on Christmas Eve and so we took her to be cremated and I think a couple folks had pitched in funds for us to uh, pay for her to be cremated. And this, until this day, I I wish that somehow we had asked or come up with the funds to get her ashes returned to us because it was an extra fee. But at the time, we, we didn't know we had that option because we didn't, um, when my dog passed away, we didn't, um, we didn't get her ashes back. Um, we just, I uh, think, paid for her cremation. And... So when we were presented with the option, I, uh, we didn't, we just didn't have the money. Um, so she was, uh, cremated in another group of, of animals. So, um, that was tough. And I, I remember going to Christmas Eve, I think it was later that, I think it was later that day. Later that day, we went to, um, our family gathering with my husband's family and, we had uh it was it was christmas eve it was i was trying to get through it i i think something came up and one of his aunts asked about how my job was going and i i didn't know what to say i i told her and then she told me to not to not tell my husband's grandmother because she would get like really worried and she would just get really worried about it so she recommended not telling her and then told me later she said that she's like, you know, I shouldn't have told you that, you know, it's up to you if you want to tell her or not. Um, and let that be on me. And I think we ended up telling her and it was, it was hard. And we had, in a very short amount of time, we had to decide like what, what was the next step? Um, because we couldn't continue to pay her, our apartment. Um, my unemployment would be based on my prior job because it was the longest job and it wouldn't be enough to sustain. And I, we had decided, I think within like a week or two to move away, to move up to the Sacramento area from the Bay area. Um, 
and we decided that was the best. And this was something that had sort of been a long-term, long time coming. We had talked about potentially moving out of the area, but then never did for a variety of reasons, which is kind of a regret um, until we were forced to. Like, okay, you know, what do we do? You know, uh, we have to move. We have to do something else. And my husband had managed to get a transfer uh, at his job at the time from the job that he had. And, um, you know, then we decided to move. And I think I will leave you guys off there for this podcast episode um, and get into the next chapter of my life where we move. We uh, basically jumped on, (laughs) took a, a leap of faith, so to speak, and um jumped into the next venture so thank you guys so much for listening to this episode it was a little bit longer than i intended but i super appreciate you guys sticking around and waiting for me and supporting it means so much more than you can imagine Um, i will be back here in a few weeks with the next episode so until then guys i will see you next time bye